Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Our passage for today comes from Luke 23, 32 to 46. Listen for what God is saying to you. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching. The rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished just, justly, for we are getting what, we, what, deeds, what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three, of, till three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last breath. May God add a blessing to the hearing and living out of this scripture. Last week... I became, and one day, a father-in-law, um, and to be there with my two children, my son Nathaniel is uh, 20, um, and for three minutes did the father-daughter dance with Gabriela, and uh, there was a song I used to sing to her called Butterfly Kisses, I'm not sure if you've heard it, um, but at her quinceanera, I surprised her with the song. Uh, we went to Six Flags when she was little. I recorded the song for her on a, on a CD. It was the 90s. Um, and uh, she surprised me by singing, by playing that song as our, as our father-daughter dance. Um, and it felt like the song came to a completion because the whole song is about the father walking his daughter down the aisle. Um, and, um, but that there will always be butterfly kisses uh, that, that he gave her. And so as we begin this uh, new series, uh, state, this, just, this is us, the stages of life, um, I just thought it was beautiful to hear from Marcus um, his experiences 
uh, on, on his on his um, on his trip, um, definitely to uh, get his insight of what the vacation was about and all the hot tubs. Seriously, you have to take me with you <laughs> on your next on your next vacation. Um, so every age and stage of development brings with it new gifts, new challenges, new insight into the ever-abundant nature of God. In this series, we're going to study all these stages of development from childhood, um, early adulthood, uh, mid-adult, and older adult. And through it, we're going to see each life experience, the spiritual gifts that God offers through that stage of life, and also the particular challenges that must be answered to move forward and grow. This will build our own muscles uh, for spiritual expansion and help build intergenerational community. Um, and as we come to appreciate one, one another's unique gifts and offerings into this community in which we're all struggling to find all of the things in each of the stages, safety, identity, meaning, and acceptance as we grow in Jesus' grace during Lent. Uh, let's pray. Uh, God, thank you. We thank you for your, your Holy Spirit this morning that would uh, communicate with us and, and bring us together, our hearts as one, as we learn about the stages of life and as we learn about what, an old, what being an older adulthood is. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. So when I was 20, in my 20s, I had this conversation with my siblings. Uh, we were talking about who was going to take care of our parents when they got older. <clears throat> um, I won. I'm the oldest. My mom's only 16 years older than me, and some of you have met her here. Um, it, it feels like she's going to take care of me, really. Um, but it, it's such an honor for me to be able to take care of my mom and, and my dad when that time comes. So abuelos and abuelas, grandmothers and grandfathers, even for some of us, it's our parents. They're the ones that won't let us forget where we came from. Our values, our music, literature, our cuisine, and even holiday traditions. Older generations ensure that we keep those alive and that we teach, and they continue to teach us to value them. So older adults, according to Erickson, are 65 years and older. He maintained that personality develops in a predetermined order with, through eight stages of psychosocial development, from infancy to adulthood. Um, and and in, what's interesting about this uh, stages is we're talking today about a older adulthood, is that he stressed that his work was a tool to think rather than factual analysis. Uh, middle and late adulthood are no longer viewed as irrelevant. Because of Erickson, they are now considered active and significant times of personal growth. It helps us to see our parents, our grandparents, and older friends as fountains of knowledge and experience and serve as elders and leaders in this community. Here are a couple of adults that have made some significant contributions to society. Uh, Estela Pifram, 
Um, at age 72, she started Estela's Brilliant Bus, a mobile learning lab outfitted with more than a dozen computer stations. It travels to underserved communities in Florida um, and Palm Beach County, and it provides access to uh, children access to technology that normally wouldn't have it. She used $900,000 of her retirement funds uh, to start this at age 72, and it's still going on strong. We all know about Toni Morrison. Um, at age 62, she became the first African-American woman to win the Nobel Prize for Literature. And we know some of her literature and some of her work, including uh, The Bluest Eye, uh, Song of Solomon, and Beloved. And last but not least, on this season of Project Runway, Nicole Beringer, the oldest contestant to be on the show at age 65. At age 58, she left her successful career. I know a lot about her. Um, <laughs> she left her successful career uh, to pursue a passion for fashion. You can catch the season finale this Thursday at 7 on Bravo TV. Good luck, Nicole. I mean, <laughs> I love her. Wisdom is a way of knowing that goes beyond one's mind, one's rational understanding, and embraces the whole of a person, mind, heart, and body. The intellectual faculty is one of knowing, to be sure, but it's joined by two additional faculties, the intelligence of the moving center and the intelligence of the emotional center. These three centers must be all working, working in harmony as the first prerequisite to wisdom and as we talk about wisdom today that older adults have. I'm gonna start with the moving center. Um, it's probably one that we know less about, and it's one of the reasons why I asked Marcus to speak today. And as you hear, children move. They, they communicate and gather information through moving. The moving center basically is about intelligence through movement. It's the way that our body is able to reach out and touch and explore and gain information from the world. It's the dimension that brings things that we don't do directly with our rational brain, but that deeply engage us. So what Marcus showed us that even at an early age, we begin to collect information through our bodies, the, hot, the heat of the water in the hot tub, the three hot tubs. Think back, and, um, and so uh, Marcus, along with all the children, are collecting this information in their bodies. Think back to a time where you went on vacation as a kid. Uh, maybe the first time that you drove a car, first time you voted, or your first kiss. That kind of intelligence, which we mostly underuse, is a big, it's like a big tanker of connection and information with the world around us. My dad's retired now, and most of his time he lives it in Puerto Rico. Um, but he is still using his body. He works all day uh, cultivating uh, his garden and sweeping, and, and at night he sits out in the balcony that overlooks this great mountain. Um, sometimes we see older adults that forget to connect with their bodies and to gain information with their bodies, and we see that they kind of wither away. The intellectual center. It's a useful tool for exploring and navigating the world, and it allows us to do things that separates us from the animal, thing, uh, animal kingdom. 
This center, of course, involves mental activity and thinking and learning. It's where we reason, where we doubt, and we make final, fine determinations. It's a great evaluating and measuring tool, but it can't ask two questions. It can't ask, who am I? And it can't ask, who is God? And this is because these questions are limited by our intellect, which Cynthia um, describes when saying, in terms of the spiritual journey, trying to find faith with the intellectual center is something like trying to play a violin with a saw. It's simply the wrong tool for the job. It's not because the saw is bad, but the nature of the saw is to cut and separate, not to make music. So these are the two centers. And finally, there's the emotional center. This emotional center is the capacity to explore and receive information from the world through empathetic alignment. And with the heart at its center is the bridge between our mind and our body. It's the part of us that gets the impression instantly. It orientates us towards the divine. It moves quickly, always taking in information and feeling it in the heart. Um, this heart expression is not for a personal expression, but it's for a divine perception. Keywords here are love, affection, uh, faith, um, bonding, our image, approval. It's here that you can see how older adults change with time as empathy grows. Um, I remember when Gabriela was younger, I would spank her because that's what I learned. Um, and my mom one day told me, you can't spank, you can't spank your daughter. And I looked at her, I'm like, who are you talking to? <laughs> Um, I remember getting spanked when I was a kid. <laughs> She's like, no, you need to speak to children with love. <laughs> I'm like, okay, mommy. <laughs> but I see how my father treats my, uh, my kids when they were growing up. He would let them put makeup on him, um, let them paint his nails. I'm like, who is this old man? Um, just changing, it's, it's the way that we perceive things as we get older. So, um, and so in this passage that we, we read today, Jesus is not an older adult, but he's facing death, which psychologists have say, say is both uh, one of the greatest struggles, but also one of the greatest gifts of second life, second half of life. There were two criminals that were also facing death, and we'll see that one of them takes the path of wisdom and receives salvation while the other does not. So imagine facing your final hours and Jesus comes into the picture. He had been stripped of his clothing. They put a crown of thorns over his head and they hanged him to die, a criminal. But then you hear him say, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. The criminal, I imagine, reasoned in his mind as seeing this man uh, crucified next to him. And as he heard him saying these words, he realizes that he's unjustly sentenced. And he rebukes the other criminal by telling him, Do not, don't you fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And in his agony, the criminal is feeling in the body because he's 
bleeding and um, hanging there to die, he sees Jesus going through the same agony and the same pain in solidarity with him. Jesus is feeling this pain and the same anguish in his body. He sees Jesus as someone who shares in his suffering, who is willing to take a stand in that suffering with him, who spoke up against his suffering and in all forms of evil and empire and racism and injustice. Something that happens to the criminal in this story, his heart bridges this experience that he's having in his body and the knowledge that he has learned about this man who's been crucified next to him. And he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Spiritual journey takes a final pause when Jesus tells him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. We see that it was salvation that the criminal received through his mind, he felt it in his body, and he knew it in his heart before his death and the death of Jesus. His heart bridged with his mind knew and what his body felt, receiving wisdom. And this is the type of wisdom that older adults um, can find in Jesus through uh, what we, and what we can uh, glean from older adults. They have this sense of all of the experiences that they have felt from being a child all the way through middle adulthood, experiences in their body and learning, school, learning from books and learning from television shows. Um, but it's this wisdom that is received when this emotional center, the heart, bridges both together. So wisdom is not a result of mental effort. It can be gained through intellectual study. Even life experiences don't make us wise if we don't process them humbly and consciously, as we see in the criminal that derided Jesus. Wisdom is a way of being whole and totally open to more than what intellectual study alone can provide. For older adults, to see in this way requires the hard work of keeping up all our inner spaces open, our mind, our body, and our heart all at once. This is the center of any spirituality, and it does not happen easily, but it is something older adults can embrace in their journey. Amen.